I am thankful to have the opportunity to be before you. Welcome to all of you who are joining us online, Facebook Live, YouTube, our various platforms, and to all who've gathered here today. Thank you for coming to church today. Um, we are very grateful to be with you, uh, and particularly with an open Bible before me. Hate the circumstances. Uh, Pastor Brad mentioned um, our pastor's been sick, uh, and Dustin, who was scheduled to be here, is not feeling well. So please keep them in your prayers as they recover. Um, but we are going to press forward in the Word of God this morning. Um, may look a little old school. We may need to grab some of those pew Bibles and not rely on the screens as much, uh, but that's okay. Um, this is 2021, uh, the first Sunday of a new year, and how grateful we are to see this new year. In many ways, I was eagerly looking forward to the close of 2020, um, as were perhaps many of you. I hear some clap, clap, uh, clapping as well. So, <laughs> um, uh, we, we experienced loss in our country, um, in our community, uh, even our own family. We, we experienced the loss of my father-in-law. And there's something about uh, getting a new year that reminds you that you can seize the moment. You get a fresh start. And so in that vein, we'll look at a passage of Scripture today that uh, really speaks to that idea of seizing the moment. And it's in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. What we'll look at is verses 15 through 20. Um, and if you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 919. What I'd like to do is read the text pray, and then see what God's Word has to say to us today. And if you wouldn't mind joining me and standing and, and as we read God's Word together, this is a practice that Jesus did when he went to the gathered assembly and he went to read the text. He stood up, and so we will do so as well. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20, this is the perfect Word of our perfect God. Let us give our attention to it. Look carefully then. How you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Now, Father, thank you so much for this text, for life. You've sustained us through another year and how grateful we are to to bring in this Lord's day in your house, singing songs to you, making melody in our heart to you. And now, Lord, as we seek to hear what your word says, I pray that you would speak. May the preacher be brought to nothing, that you might be everything. May I decrease, that you increase, and may all of us hear a word from you today, that we may be shaped by the word of God and to the image of the Son of God, in whose name we pray, amen. Amen, please be seated, thank you. 
one of our family traditions around the holidays, maybe you have this tradition as well, is to watch a lot of Christmas movies. We watch a lot of them. Um, we, we watched uh, many this past Christmas over the holidays. We watched How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Um, we actually watched all three of them, the old school cartoon, the 2000 Jim Carrey one, and then there's this new one that came out. Um, we watched Jingle All the Way, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, and Sinbad. Uh, uh, we love that movie. Um, we, we watched all these movies, Elf. Um, we watched a few uh, new ones. And, of course, we watched the greatest Christmas movie of all time, Home Alone. That's right. That's right. Um, we watched Home Alone 2. We watched Home Alone 3. We watched all of them. And, um, you know, I, I, I decided to do something different this past Christmas that uh, and bring in this Christmas classic that I've never seen before, but I hear about every year. It's the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Never saw it before, but I did about a week and a half ago. I sat down and committed about two hours, 15 minutes or so, it's a pretty long movie, uh, to watching this. And so if you haven't seen it, spoiler alerts will follow. Uh, but it's 75 years old, so it's okay. Um, uh, the climax of this story, what really this story is about, is this man named George Bailey who, he falls on hard times because a large sum of money is lost with his business and he, he, he's convinced that he's more valuable dead than he is alive. And he wishes to end his life. But with some divine intervention, right? Clarence, the angel, he comes to see just how much of a difference his life was made in the little moments. For instance, at age 12, George saves his brother's life and his hearing is affected in one ear for the rest of his life. And that same brother goes on to be a war hero in World War II, a Navy pilot, saves lives. Or when George, as a small boy, stopped Mr. Gower, the pharmacist from mistakenly filling a child's prescription with poison. He, he saves that boy's life. George chose to hold off going to college so that he could manage the family business, and that same business eventually went on to provide affordable housing for families in that community. He, he makes a tremendous difference in this community, and he's always looking to go on to bigger and better things. And it's at the conclusion where he realizes that his life was very meaningful the whole time. He just didn't know it. I thought about it in preparation for today, and I said, man, that's, that's a lot like my life. And perhaps you could say the same. Our lives are, are simply a series of very ordinary moments. But what makes our lives extraordinary or wonderful, to use the movie's title, is what we do with the ordinary, how we seize those moments. And I ask you, do you take advantage of the opportunities that God gives you, or do you squander them, realizing that, man, man I just really wish things would be different. Are you always thinking about what could be different or are you seizing the opportunity that God gives you? And as disciples of Jesus, we are, as we will see in our text, to seize and to savor each precious moment that God gives us for the glory of God. This is what Paul is saying in our text in this section of Scripture today. 
when he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And this phrase in verse 16 is where we'll spend a lot of time, making the best use of our time because the days are evil. This letter, the letter to the Ephesians, is very similar to other letters that Paul writes in which the first half or so of the letter, he'll spend uh, laying a foundation of doctrinal truth. He, he spends this first portion telling us who God is and who we are in him. For instance, he'll say in chapter one that uh, he'll say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ, no matter if there's a pandemic going on. We have every spiritual blessing. He will go on to say that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And he spends a great deal in the first half of Ephesians helping us see what God has done for us in Christ. And then in his typical fashion, he does in this letter as well, he spends the latter half talking about the the implications for your life. Because of what God has done for us in Christ, we ought to live this way. And if we're titling this message, I would use the title, How Then Shall We Live? What should our life look like in 2021 and, and beyond because of what God has done for us in Christ? That's what Paul's answering in this section of scripture in chapter five. He's saying, if you're asking the question, how should you live? I'm going to tell you. And to, and to summarize what God is doing through the apostle Paul in this section of scripture, he's telling the Ephesians what they are to do, how they are to do it, and what the result will be when they do it. And so what I like to do is give you kind of a snippet of where we're going and then we'll go there, all right? What are we to do? In a, in a simple phrase, we are to walk wisely. Verses 15 and 17 are very clear about that. We are to walk wisely. How are we to do it? He uses this phrase, which we will unpack. Be filled with the Spirit in verse 18. And then verses 19 and following, Paul gives some results Fruit, what will happen if you walk wisely, if you are filled with the Spirit? You'll be joyful, verse 19. You'll be thankful, verse 20. And so that's what we'll look at today from this section of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5. So let's begin with the what. What are we to do in 2021 and beyond? We are to walk wisely. Look at verse 15 with me. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. In verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What does this mean? First, we need to understand that when Paul uses this term walk, what he does not mean is literally putting one foot before the other. Uh, if you've read through Paul's letters, you notice he uses this term frequently. It's perhaps his favorite way to describe the Christian life. It's a, it's a euphemism for living. How you walk is how you 
live. He's talking about the conduct of your life. And what he's saying is we shouldn't be haphazard in our behavior. We shouldn't be cavalier or careless in how we conduct our lives. We are people who are in war. Uh, we, we stand on the precipice of eternity always. And if 2020 taught me anything or reminded me of anything, it's that. It's the idea that death is looming around us all the time. I don't want to get morbid this morning, but I do want to be honest with you. Tomorrow's not promised. And we are engaged in a very real warfare. In fact, in the very next chapter, Paul gives a treatise on this. He says, finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm reading Ephesians 6, verse 10. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against cosmic powers of, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, therefore, because that's our enemy, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We need to know that we're in warfare. And my father, who served in the army for 24 years, just like many of you served in various branches of our armed forces, will tell you, the last thing you want to be in a war is careless, and cavalier, unaware of what's going on. This is why Paul will say, look carefully how you walk. Be wise in how you live. And so we're facing spiritual enemies and we need to be watchful and we need to be calculated in how we live our lives. Uh, and lest we misunderstand what Paul means by this walking wisely, he gives us a very practical example of how to do that. Look at verse 16 with me from Ephesians chapter 5. He says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, for the longest time, I simply understood this to mean, you know, don't waste your time. Be a wise steward. Um, don't play PlayStation for six hours a day or... Watch Netflix until, you know, you watch Netflix so long, it, like, are you still watching this? It even asks you, um, yes, yes, I am. Um, mind your business, Netflix. Um, it, so there is an element of we shouldn't be time wasters, right? We should be productive. And perhaps that's an application that some of us should walk away with. I don't want to minimize that. Maybe there's something to be said about us spending less time looking at a screen and more time with our families or, or so on. Uh, but, but the more I looked at this closely, Paul uses some words here that lead me in a little bit of a different direction. I'll share it with you. He, he uses this term for time, not chronos, which usually refers to chronological time, extended period of time. He uses the term kairos, which refers to seasons, opportunities opportune times. Uh, this implies a specific moment rather than an extended period of time. And, and the verb that he uses here, which is translated making the best use of the time, means to recover from the power of another by paying a price. Some of your King James Bibles will say redeeming the time, right? What's my point? My point is that Paul is, is saying we seize the moment. 
we, we pounce on this opportunity that's given before us, which is a little different than simply don't waste your time. In his own way, what Paul is saying is something like this. Seize the day. Don't let this opportunity pass. Take advantage of the moment that God provides to you. He's saying seize the moment. Someone who's listening right now needs to be reminded of that one point from God's word this morning. Maybe there are a lot of opportunities that you missed in 2020. I wish I could have back an opportunity to talk to my father-in-law before he died. Seize the moment. You don't know when someone's last time is going to be their last time. Live it. Experience it. Pounce on it. Seize it so that you can glorify God and do good to others whenever he gives you that opportunity. Eagerly snatch it up. You know, death has a way of motivating us, at least me. Uh, I hope you as well. Before I decided to leave uh, Navy Federal to come into the ministry, um, there was a very influential man that he and I started working for Navy Federal the exact same day. And our, our, our careers crossed paths many times, very bubbly personality, Loved the Lord, loved his family. And on the very day that I received a call to come serve as Connect Pastor, he passed away very unexpectedly. We started working from Navy Federal at the same time, and in an instant, we stopped working on the same day. And God's always used his death to remind me that my ministry, my life, ought to be about seizing opportunities to make a difference for the Lord. And that's true of all of us. If, if Paul were here today, I believe he'd say something like this, walk in a way that shows that you are taking opportunities to serve the Lord. Take the next step, whatever that is, in serving the Lord in a way that will glorify him and will do good to others. And so how will you do that today? How will you seize the moment? This is the what. We walk wisely. We seize the moment. We're eager and decisive about doing good for the glory of God. But next, how? How do we do this? How do we pull this off? Now look at verse 18 with me. Ephesians 5, 18. The Bible says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit of God to pull this off. You need to be filled with the Spirit, and this is very important to see because every form of uh, worldly form of making the best use of your time is going to be very self-driven. If you read any worldly book about time management, it'll, it'll push you to rely on your own ingenuity and your own education, your own experience. And I don't want to be misunderstood. Education Experience, ingenuity are all very good things in their place. But we need God. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And it's impossible to overestimate the importance of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Salvation begins when the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin. Once you repent, turn from your sin. 
and trust in Jesus to be your Savior. You're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you're sealed with the Holy Spirit all the way to the redemption that comes of the second coming of Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is God himself indwelling a believer to help us, to guide us, to teach us, to comfort us, to strengthen us. And I'm telling you that you, just as I, need the Holy Spirit of God. This concept of being filled by the Spirit has often been misunderstood. I've seen this to be misunderstood in many ways, and so I don't want to be mistaken. I want to be very clear today because people have taken this to mean some, some things that I frankly will say are strange. But this, this need not turn us off from what God's Word says. We're just reading the Bible and we want to apply it to our lives. And so what we need is a scriptural view of what being filled with the Spirit is, And the best way to get that is to let the Scripture, to interpret the Scripture. Would you agree? So what I'd like to do is hold up Ephesians 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, that phrase. Hold it up alongside what Paul says in another passage of Scripture, namely Colossians chapter 3. Written by the same author at basically the same time, dealing with the same Idea. And this is what Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, this is a parallel text, as I've said, to Ephesians 5, where Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Here he's saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And as we saw, the result is we'll be singing psalms and hymns with thanksgiving in our hearts, right? Well, what he says in Ephesians chapter 5, our text is be filled with the Spirit and then you'll be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. What's my point? to be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, and to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, Colossians 3.16, has the exact same effect. Have you noticed this? This is because the Spirit is the author of the Word. The Bible says of itself, all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's a product of the Holy Spirit. The Bible will say in 2 Peter chapter 1 that no human being created scripture of his own initiative, but holy men of God spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1. And so the, 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 the actual words of God given to us in this divinely inspired book is the product of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm making the case that to be filled with the word. Is, that's the way we're filled with the spirit. If I were to <clears throat> simplify this concept of being filled with the spirit in one sentence, I'd say it this way. Don't let the world shape you. Let the word shape you. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine. That's debauchery. That's letting the world shape you but rather be 
filled with the Spirit. Let the Word shape you. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. You see? Now this phrase, be filled with the Spirit, there are a few things I want to say about it based on the simple grammar of the text. I had a really, really great Greek teacher in seminary. He's actually in the room right now. So I don't want to disappoint you, Dr. Wright. Um, uh, but we do have a few things to say just about the grammar of Ephesians 5.18 where he says, be filled with the Spirit. First and foremost, it's a command. This is not an optional thing for us. And interestingly enough, there's no command in the Bible to be baptized in the Spirit or to be indwelled with the Spirit. All of that happens involuntarily the moment you accept Christ. In fact, that's what it means to be born again. You are baptized and indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. But to be filled with the Spirit, as we see here, it takes some intentionality on our part. Uh, this imperative is a rare imperative. It's a passive imperative. We must do it, and yet it must be done to us. It's similar to baptism. If you're a believer, you ought to be baptized. But you don't go baptize yourself. You allow yourself to be baptized. This is the same kind of idea. The command is not fill yourself, it is be filled. And my way of describing this is to put yourself in the pathway to be filled by God. Put yourself where God is so that you may be filled by him. And I'm making the case that that's in the word of God. You know, before I met my wife, we worked together at Navy Federal. I owe a lot to that company. Um, I met her there, and what a blessed day that was. But before I met her, I noticed her from a distance. And I just kind of, don't tell her this, I kind of just put myself in her path. Uh, maybe some other guys in the room did something similar. You just kind of conveniently found where she was going to be and you just got right there so that you can hear her voice, so that you can see how she interacted with other people, so that you can draw closer to her. In the same way, we can do that with the Lord. We can get into the path of the Lord to draw closer to him. There's a very biblical example of this in Luke 19. I'm going to test your vacation Bible school knowledge here. Anybody remember a wee little man who wanted to see the Lord? Zacchaeus, right? The Bible says that he wanted to see the Lord. He put himself in the pathway of the Lord. He saw the Lord was coming that way, Luke 19, verse 4. And so what did he do? He ran on ahead. He climbed up into a, what kind of tree? Sycamore. There you go. Very good. A sycamore tree. Because he was about to pass that way. Jesus was coming that way. This is the point. Zacchaeus put himself in the pathway of the Lord to encounter him. And what an encounter he had, didn't he? The Bible says Jesus stopped at the place. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. In that same way, this idea of being filled with the Spirit is putting yourself 
in the path of where you know God is, the word, the gathered assembly of the saints, small group communities where you have an open Bible. You know the Lord is there. He says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. And so being filled really is just putting yourself in, in the pathway of the Lord so that he can shape you and guide you by his word. Anytime you open the Bible with a ready mind and a willing heart, you're putting yourself in the path of the Lord. And so we see that it's a command. It's a passive command. Uh, but we need to note also that it's a command for, for, for every believer. I've alluded to this already. The command is plural here. It's a plural you. Now I'm told, I haven't accepted it yet because I'm a Floridian, but I'm told in Pensacola we live in lower Alabama. Has anyone ever said that? So I think it would be appropriate to say it this way. All y'all be filled with the Spirit of God, right? This implies that spirit-filled life is for every Christian. It's not just for the super spiritual elite. Any person who's a believer in Jesus can be spirit-filled. And so we see that it's a command. It's a command for every believer. Third and finally, this, this command of being filled with the Spirit is something that is ongoing. The verb is present tense. And so we could say, keep on being filled. Be continually being filled. In other words, you can't expect to one and done on this being filled with the Spirit thing. Now, we understand this concept in other areas of life, right? Uh, you don't purchase a new vehicle, fill it up one time with gas, and just ride, ride, ride. I tried that once in college. Um, I don't know why I did this, but I remember just pushing it to the limit. Very close to E. I'm like, ah, I'm not in trouble until the light comes on. And I just kept pressing the gas one day, and the car just kept going slower. The more I pressed the gas, the more it slowed down. I'm like, what, what is happening? It, it, what's happening is you don't have any gas in the vehicle. I called a buddy of mine, and he came and, and, and helped me out. But some of us live our Christian lives that way, don't we? We want to go, go, go for Jesus, but we haven't been filled. And so we need to fill ourselves, ongoing, continual process. A more poignant example may be you don't eat once a week or once a month and think, well, man, that'll do it. Uh, no, if you're anything like Eric Mitchell and the Mitchell family, you have breakfast in the morning, have a little lunch around noon time, have some supper around 6 p.m., and the kids always hitting the pantry for snacks in between, right? No, the point is we continually fill our, our bodies. So why do you think you can do much for Jesus and the only time you open the Bible is on Sunday morning at church? Now, I don't want to make you feel bad. It's not my goal. But I do want you to think about that. Do we really want to be filled with the Spirit of God in 2021? One way we do that is by constantly, continually, ongoingly engage 
the scriptures. A simple and easy plan can help you with that. If you need a plan to read the Bible, we have some in the Next Step Center. If you already have one, please continue to do that. But if you need something to help kickstart you, we have a plan that I think will be very helpful for you. And so how then should we live? Uh, first, as I've been saying, we should live wisely by seizing every opportunity to do good for the Lord. We should eagerly and decisively take moments to serve the Lord and others. And we're equipped to do that, as we've been looking at in the text. To, we're equipped to serve by being filled with the Spirit. We don't let the world shape us. We let the Word shape us, right? We get into the Word until God's Word gets into us. But... But what's a sneak peek? What will we look like when we do that? What will be the result? Paul gives us a few, but I'll only mention two this morning. And they're in verses 19 and 20 of Ephesians 5. He says they're addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to your heart, uh, to the Lord, excuse me, with your heart. Imagine. A church so filled with the Spirit that not only do they sing to the Lord, but they start addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They're encouraging one another. They're teaching one another. Can you imagine a culture where everyone is singing and making melody to the Lord with their hearts? I want you to evaluate yourself today. Do you have that kind of joy? We, we've spent some time singing this morning. Is there joy in your heart? Some of you, it's very evident by the way that you, that you sing to me, that you're, you have joy in your heart. And others of us are not as expressive, but the question is, what is happening in your heart? Are you making melody to the Lord? That's a fruit of walking wisely, of being filled with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, second, joy. And we want that kind of joy. Some of us want to change, but we can't. We, we can't change our, our, our language. We can't change our bad habits. We can't change our negative attitude. Can I just tell you a secret today, just based on the text that we've looked at? Stop spending so much time trying to change your life. Abide in Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. Spend your time soaking yourself in the word of God. Saturate yourself in God's word. And God will work on your behavior. The spirit of God will shape you by means of the word of God. This may be a bit crass, but it's true. Paul connects this idea of being drunk with wine and being filled. He contrasts them. Think about this. An inebriated person doesn't think to themselves, man, I just really want to change my behavior. No, they just drink. And as they drink, they begin to act in different ways, right? That's being shaped by the world. But in contrast, if you just soak yourself in the word of God, soak yourself in God's truth, he will change you. Do you see? And so the world is seeking for joy, and what a beautiful thing we have in Christ is that we have the joy. You won't find it in the bottom of a liquor bottle. Amen.
but you will find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And so let God give you the joy that won't fade away. Let him give you a new song this year. And the final thing that we see from this text that's a fruit, a result, that I'll mention today is this idea of thanksgiving. Look at verse 20 with me. He says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We more than anyone else in the world have great cause for thanksgiving. We have God as our Father. By his grace, we are his very own children. Our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, shed his blood to purchase our salvation. Amen? He didn't count it robbery. Not, that, not only that was he equal with God, he poured out himself as a drink offering, as it were, to sacrifice for us. Are, are we thankful for that today? And we think of the Holy Spirit given to us as a gift from God to indwell us, to shape us, to help us to be more and more like Jesus. We're grateful for the gift of eternal life that no matter what happens in this life, no matter if we get sick and eventually we will pass away, we have a promise from God that the one who believes in Jesus will never die. We will never perish. We will never be plucked from his hand. We ought to be thankful. And so I'm very grateful today. Uh, it reminds me of the ending of this movie that I watched. It's a Wonderful Life. It really is a great movie. The movie concludes with, with the home of George Bailey. He's around his wife and his kids. And everybody from the community is coming in and showering him with gifts showing appreciation for this man who was an extraordinary, ordinary man. And you see this beautiful picture of singing and thanksgiving and loving one another as a community gathers around this man who needed some help. And he found it. He had joy and thanksgiving. And I hope that as you begin 2021, you too will find joy and thanksgiving by being filled with the Spirit and walking wisely in a way that's going to please the Lord. This is God's word, and let all who agree say amen.